I'm Lucy Barkas, and this is the Leader X Podcast. Now, my conversation with Michael Anderson was a big one. I listened back and we talked about so many topics that it was really hard to decide what to do my reflections on for this episode. So I thought, actually, I'll just share my thoughts on leadership and what great leadership looks like to me. And I'll do that by telling a few of my own leadership stories, you know, and how I developed and how I grew. Now, I like Michael and many other leaders out there have had um, experiences of being a bad leader. We all look back and cringe at certain decisions or behaviours, but in all of those moments, those really cringy moments, we can all see just how much we've developed since then. Those awful moments became our biggest growth opportunities. I truly believe that leaders aren't born, they are made, and they continue to grow every day. The leadership development is never done. The work is never done. Now, you will continue to make mistakes. um, And with each one of those situations you find yourself in, those new situations, you'll have a million different ways to think, act, and move forward. Now, the key to me for great leadership is to make decisions and then be able to stand by that decision from a really deep moral, ethical values base. Um, it's wholehearted leadership. Now, in all of my biggest mistakes, there were a couple of poor leadership practices that I did that got me into real trouble. And I'm going to share some of those with you and hopefully it'll help you. Well, stop you from tripping up in the same kind of way. Um, it, it feels a little bit uncomfortable because I'm going to be really vulnerable, uh, but I'm doing it in service just to hopefully help you be a better leader. So my first big mistake was around letting my own fears make the decisions for me. Now, let me give you an example, because um, It didn't just happen once, it happened many times. But the example that I've got in my head was when I was in my early 30s. Yeah, I was leading a project um, that was the brainchild of the MD. Now, he was a really strong character and had quite a reputation for making your life hell, breaking your career even, if you stood against him. So I was already going into our relationship with a lot of fear and I wanted to kind of protect myself Now, during the project, he had a brilliant idea that he was really excited about, yet I had a few concerns. Um, I could see some real issues. And instead of tapping into my curiosity and my courage and my positive challenge skills, which I was really good at, I played it safe. I let fear decide how I was going to, to behave. So I agreed with him. I didn't challenge. I just caved in. Well, weeks later, my intuition proved me right. And because I was the project lead, I was held accountable for the mistake. Um, It was my reputation that actually, you know, that I was trying to protect that actually was now tarnished. So my fear led me to make the biggest mistake. Now, I've learned that something, when it feels wrong or doesn't quite sit with me, 
needs some attention. Um, I need to go away, think about it, reflect on it, maybe even discuss it with other people. But then I need to use my voice to raise my concerns. Now, not in a blocking or pessimistic kind of way, but in a way that actually creates opportunities. So I might start saying, well, I wonder or I like that. And so it's using kind of open phrases to hang out in exploration mode just a little bit longer. Um, I don't take the first idea as the only idea. I use it as a kind of springboard to open up dialogue, to enable more collaboration and maybe build on the original thought. So that ability to explore, um, to test those assumptions or to speak out and yet be kind and curious has really served me well. It takes a lot of courage. I'm not going to lie. It always feels a bit uncomfortable. But the payoff in leadership terms has always been worth it. Now, staying in the fear side, my next biggest mistake was around trying to just keep the harmony and keep the peace. Every time I chose to keep harmony or peace, rather than going for that difficult conversation, I always ended up kind of regretting my decision. Um, I, I tended to make mountains out of molehills. So here's another example. I once hired a colleague, which was a really good decision, but then I promoted her too early. I thought I could help her to develop into the role, you know, the way that I developed into roles. And when she made mistakes, rather than telling her, I chose to use encouragement and championing so her confidence wasn't knocked. I wanted a happy, harmonious team, but actually I was just instilling artificial harmony. Everyone else could see the cracks, everyone else could see the behaviours, and yet I wasn't acting on them. I was supporting her. So when the feedback came from another peer that they refused to work with her now, um, rather than me having that conversation, I just decided to be the conduit, the intermediary. And that not only shielded her, but it actually made me take on even more work and even more stress and pressure. So consequently, the behaviours got worse. I was supporting and reinforcing them until one day it couldn't continue. I had to have the conversation. Two months too late. The result was hurt and pain and, you know, for both of us and a lot of broken trust. I mean, she felt really betrayed by me, um, like I didn't trust her with the information, like I was treating her like a child. And she was right on every single level. My avoidance of the feedback really broke our relationship and really served no one. So now I proactively and consciously lead from a place of courage and kindness. If someone does something or says something that doesn't fit the expected ways of doing things or fails on a task or outcome, I don't wait. I have the conversation straight away. And wow, it feels so different. I mean, it feels like we're just having a conversation about the work um, rather than, you know, a huge big issue. Now, once um, built with the trust and respect, there's, there's no uncharted territory we can't go into. So we're able to let go of the fear and start looking at, at solutions together. The Leader X podcast has an amazing back catalogue. So hit that subscribe button and check out previous episodes with award-winning authors like Jonathan Hemus and Greg Orm.
So in that example, it kind of brought up a few other kind of leadership traits that um, I often talk about, and that's trust and humanity. So I'm going to just tap into the trust element for a moment. So let's think about when you trust someone, you tend to be really unguarded. You're honest with them. You're, you share stuff about yourself. Um, you empower them. You, you trust them to, to take the reins a little bit more um, until you know, they're, they're completely autonomous. They're completely empowered. Now, this feels easy for me because I've never been a micromanager. I don't really have the time or the inclination, to be honest. Um, if anything, I can be a little bit too trusting and a little bit too aloof. But I see so many leaders who need control. And again, I can see that it comes from a state of fear. They don't trust their people. Um, they don't want to get egg on their face and to make mistakes. A little bit like me in that first example. So as people are encouraged to you know, return to the office, for example, or the, the site, questions are around the trust element are rife. I mean, why do you need your people back in the physical space? Is it just for, um, for you so that you can feel like you're in control uh, to check that they're doing the work? Um, you know, are you falling back into that micromanagement and that control? Are you showing lack of trust? Because this, in my opinion, is bad leadership. Now, if you're bringing them in for a different reason, for some collaboration and allowing them to do the day job at whatever location they want, you're trusting them to make the decisions, then that's all good. But when you start dictating what work is done where, um, then you act like the overseer, the all-powerful one, the one in control. And you're actually conditioning your people to fall into that parent-child relationship, and that is no way to lead. When you have this parent-child relationship, you find that you have to give all of the instructions, make all of the decisions, monitor constantly, and, and almost like just push everyone. And that just feels exhausting. But when you treat people like adults, you, yeah, you might have to still give them instruction. You know, you're the leader, you, you're setting the direction, but then you just get out of the way and then allow them to develop their, um, their best work. Of course, you, you give the structure and maybe some boundaries, that makes people feel safe. But as long as they operate within them, let them flourish, watch them grow. They will be happier. They'll be more engaged and trust will grow. And you know this is true because you are the same. When people trust and empower and let you grow, you do flourish. You're more productive. So let go of that controller within you and, and be a great leader. And then that touches onto the humanity. So the humanity of leadership, which really does mean about being compassionate, empathetic and generous. Now, that doesn't look like many of the leaders I saw growing up. There isn't much uh, humanity when you look back to the 1980s in the movies that were being portrayed with Gordon Gekko or even our political leaders. Um, we see icons like, you know, the, the films The Wolf of Wall Street showing what it was actually like. Zero compassion, zero empathy and zero generosity. In fact, the 80s seemed to all be about greed and fear and dominance. And the result was clear. Corporate stress, breakdowns, family breakdowns, and a whole lot of environmental damage. So here we are in the 2020s. The world feels very different. What we want for ourselves and from our leaders is very different. We do want humanity. So my final story of failure comes when I was in my 20s. I was mentored by leaders and colleagues who'd grown up into their leadership during the 80s. 
And here I was in the noughties thinking that's how you led. You have to be the alpha female, strong, show no emotion. It was exhausting for me because that's not who I am. But nevertheless, I tried faking it until I made it. One of the members of my team one day, um, well, over a period, was having marriage problems. And she was worried about where she was going to live, who would have the kids, you know, and all the emotional pain that comes with all of that. Um, as a result, she was a bit chaotic. She was tired um, and her work wasn't what it once was. So my approach, well, I called her into the office and said, look, you're not performing. You seem unfocused. Um, you need to buck your ideas up. Otherwise, I'm going to start, you know, the capability management process. I mean, I, I won't lie. Every part of me was resisting this, but that's what my leaders were doing. That's how they managed. Well, I won't lie. Again, admitting this is very uncomfortable for me. I can't quite believe I treated her that way. And I'm truly, truly sorry. It was only after the conversation um, and I'd laid it all down of these consequences that she broke down into tears and I really couldn't fake it anymore. My humanity kicked in and the armour came down. Only then did I give her the space to tell me what was really going on in her life and I listened with compassion. Thankfully, I learned in that moment that the leader I was trying to be was not the leader I truly was, and it, neither was it the one I wanted to be. The result of that experience honestly came over time. Um, I let her go home that day and then, you know, said, look, just take some time off, figure out your life plan. And she came back a couple of days later and then we chatted about, you know, how she was, what she needed from me, how she wanted me to, to lead. And together we kind of worked out a plan. And over time, she became the most loyal and brilliant of team members. And I just reflected on how very different it would have been if my humanity hadn't kicked in. And it was such a big lesson for me that I've got to go with who I am, what feels natural to me, lead in the way that feels right for me. So as you gather people back together, take the opportunity to share, I don't know, your COVID stories, listen to them, find out how it's been for them, what they've learned, what's a new outlook for them, what they've lost maybe, what they've gained, but really listen to people, create this space in some form of gathering where people can just be human to human together, adult to adult, and really watch the difference it makes in terms of trust, your relationships, um, the lessons that you learn about how you lead through to the next phase of your business. So above all, we need more humanity. We need more humanity as humans, you know, relationship to relationship, but we need it from our leaders. It doesn't mean you won't get results. Actually, it probably means that you'll get them quicker. You'll feel better. Um, you'll go home knowing that you've done a good job and you've been a good human. You will look in the mirror and see the kind of leader you wish you'd always wanted. Well, at least I do. So I hope you've taken some inspiration from my stories. It, it really was quite icky <laughs> sharing them with you. I'm not going to lie. Um, but thankfully, they are in my distant past. I will still make mistakes, but um, I will always learn and grow and develop. Um, so just trust more, have courage and be human. Thank you so much for listening. I hope to see you again soon and keep in touch by following the hashtag LeaderX on social media. Until next time. Bye.